0: Coming up on Crossing the Lane Lines, if you've ever bothered to Google the words Blacks in Swimming, the result would usually show statistics on drowning rates. However, Ebony Roseman changed all that in a very short period of time. We'll speak to her about her organization's work in promoting, advocating, and making good trouble in the Black Swim community. Stay tuned.
1: In San Francisco, this is Najee Lee, and you're listening to Crossing the Lane Lines. Although the myth that black people don't swim is just that, a myth, this perception not only circulates within certain sectors of the white community, but also amongst the black community in general. More importantly, many white parents, swimmers, and coaches in swim programs still harbor this view. For many black and brown athletes, the deck of a pool meet can be a very lonely place, when these young men and women look around, it's hard to find other swimmers to look like them. But that's where Black Kids Swim fills in the gap. Joining us is Ebony Roseman, the founder and executive director of Black Kids Swim, a nonprofit organization that provides access to an increased range of opportunities for black children by encouraging the development of proficient swim techniques. They do this by raising awareness, providing guidance, and serving as the go-to source for information competitive and non-competitive Black Swim team options. Ebony Roseman, welcome to Crossing Lane Lines.
2: Thank you so much, Najee. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: It's great to have you on. Ebony, tell us how this all began. What led you to found Black Kids Swim?
2: It's a really interesting story. Uh, the whole family played a role in founding the organization, And it was because of our daughter. Our daughter is a championship butterfly and freestyle swimmer. And my husband and I were just trying to be supportive parents, you know, as we all are, but we were not competitive swimmers growing up. We did the traditional African American sports, football, basketball, track, and we had no idea how to support and guide our daughter through this sport. And despite our fumblings and failings, she did awesome. Uh, at one point, she was the fastest 12-year-old girl in the 53 in the nation. Wow. And so, yeah, she's <laughs> she's lightning in the water. Um, but she, she was one of few or the only at a lot of these high-level meets that she was qualifying to compete in. So on the way home from one of these meets, She Googled the phrase, black kids swim. And the Google returns were just horrible. Um, Reports of drowning, CDC statistics of the disparity in drowning rates, uh, mean-spirited memes about how black people don't, won't, or can't swim. And so we set out with a very simple goal of changing what people think when they hear the words, black kids swim. And five years later, um, almost six years later, our, our next anniversary will be in November of this year. I think we've, we've started that. Now, if you Google the phrase Black Kids Swim, you see positive images. You see Black kids on swim teams competing. You can read articles about elite Black swimmers. And we're just happy to be playing a role in changing the narrative that Black people can't swim.
1: That's amazing. That really is. And so, you have you gotten a lot of outreach from other parents who had similar experiences with their children just being the only ones on the poll deck? And how how did that all happen with the outreach for other parents to kind of meet up?
2: Oh, absolutely. the the black The black Slim family is very close knit and very supportive. So as soon as we started the organization we began hosting booths at the black swim meet so there's the national black heritage championship swim meet which takes place in Cary, north carolina every year Mm -hmm. and and also the black history invitational swim meet that takes place in washington dc every year so we would go there uh, collect email addresses talk to people and everything just kind of snowballed from there. You know, parents would literally be dragging over their friends and their kids and their neighbors to say, this is so amazing. We're so glad you started this. I want to write an article for your site. I want to um I want to tell my story. You know, would you like to interview me? And so that's where we started getting a lot of content for the site and a lot of the advice and guidance. And you know, just kind of snowball from there without the, without the constant support of the black swim community, we just wouldn't be where we are today.
1: Now, as I mentioned in my introduction, the pool deck can be a very lonely place for a lot of swimmers of color and in particular black swimmers. You have a program that you do on your website about advocacy and initiatives that you all started. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that advocacy that you, uh, offer to parents and other swim team programs?
2: Yes. Um, representation matters. Um, we are a voice of encouragement and advocacy for all black swimmers. Uh, when things happen on deck, we do our best to write a statement, write a story, get more information out. We also do a lot of personal Advocacy. So we get emails, we get Facebook messages where parents reach out and let us know what's happening with their swimmer or their diver, and we do our best to use our contacts in the black swim community to, to offer our support. And I'll tell you um, a specific story without any, without any names. There was a young black boy who wanted to be a diver. I think he was like 9 or 10 years old. And unfortunately, the swim team he was on was not a safe space, and he started to not want to go to diving practice anymore. So, of course, the mom started getting more involved, being more vigilant at practice, and she noticed that his white teammates were pushing and shoving him when he would be in line to get on the diving board. He would have scratches on his back and arm after practice. Um... Of course, there were very mean things said to him during practice, and so she reached out to us. And I actually had a phone conversation with her, and we just talked. And I let her vent. Um, I let her cry about why does this have to ha- why does this have to happen to a child who just wants to participate in a sport that he's very good at, and other children, you know, being jealous of his success and Whatever else is going on in their homes and in their minds feel like it's okay to treat him this way, and the coaching staff of this team choosing took the other way. So we had a swimmer in our community who we had interviewed, uh, you know, a year or so before who was a diver um, at the collegiate level who was very successful, and so I reached out to him and his mom and asked if he would talk to this boy and just lend his support, And so we set up that conversation, and it was very moving for uh, the boy and his mom. And the diver, just being how the black swim community is, as you are, Najee, because you've helped us with several things as well, um, just volunteered himself to be a mentor in, in perpetuity for this boy, someone he could call on and discuss things with. And so that's the type of advocacy that we do. Sometimes it's very public. And sometimes it's private. Um, whatever is needed, we are going to try to figure out how we can help, whether that's a swim swim team scholarship, whether that's connecting a swimmer with a coach or other resources or a mentor, and whether that's reaching out to a swim team or a swim or an aquatic facility to say, hey, we've, we think you might be having some problems creating the safe space that we know you want. To create for your community, how can we help?
1: That's an amazing story, and I really am grateful to hear that. You know, it's interesting, when I was listening to you say that, you said that this young man was being abused by his fellow divers on the program, and I've heard these stories in the past, and when I speak with my white SWIM colleagues, they talk about wanting to have some allyship, and that leads the action into my My next question for you, we all remember the horrifying lynching that took place in Minneapolis on May 25th, Memorial Day of this Mm -hmm. year, when Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin kneeled on the neck of George Floyd, a black man, for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Now, as we all know, this murder galvanized people not only around the country, but across the world to protest systemic racism and police brutality and many athletes, actors, politicians, corporations spoke out in support for the movement for black Lives. I'm wondering if you could speak about Black Kids Swim's initiative called Swim Teams in Solidarity. I thought this was just a really powerful, powerful thing that you all set up. Words
2: really matter. And I think it's important that you use the word lynching. Um, whether it's Ida B. Wells writing about this in the late 1800s, or Dave Chappelle doing his speech slash stand-up in 2020, this is happening to Black people in America. This has been happening to Black people in America. And Black Kids Kitsland believes that everyone needs to act. Um, this is This isn't a problem in the Black community, and this isn't easy to say, I know it isn't easy to hear, but this is a problem in the white community that black people are suffering from. And Swim Teams in Solidarity is about recognizing and appreciating everyone's actions of solidarity. Um, in a recent article, Simone Manuel talks about how she always gets asked the race question. And she doesn't mind answering it, but she also feels that every swimmer should get asked that, because it's not her responsibility, and in this case, it's not black people's responsibility to stop white police officers from lynching black people, black unarmed people. Um, And we recognize that there are people of all colors, of all races and genders, and sexual orientations who want to stop this behavior from happening. They want to do something, um, and I, I can totally identify with that. You know, as a swim mom, you you wonder, well, what can I do? <laughs> you know, like I pack snacks and I make sure people go to bed on time and I do the lunch. Like, what what can I possibly do to? stand up against social injustice that predates my great-great-grandmother. And I think that Swimmers in Solidarity recognizes that everyone in their own way, in their own sphere, wants to participate in changing the way we treat each other. And we want to recognize that. This, This program was inspired by a group of swimmers in the Santa Monica area who did a very moving demonstration, an act of unity and solidarity to say that what happened to George Floyd and others is wrong and it can't continue. And so they did this uh, Unity Swim, they kneeled for eight minutes and 46 seconds, and they they had signs and the Black Lives Matter signs, um, you know, say their names, things like that. And they collected pledges and they you know made a donation to Black Kids Swim. And we were so appreciative, not just for the donation, but for what they did as swimmers, just saying, like, this is what we love to do, this is what we're good at, and we're going to use it to to take a stand, to to make an action, to do something, to insert ourselves into the conversation. So for any swim team in solidarity, we want to shine a light on them. We want to thank them for their action, and we want to give them a platform to, to let everyone know what they're doing and why they're doing it. We want to encourage more to do the same.
1: You know, it's interesting that you bring up uh, the platform that, you know, these small swim groups are doing to try to uh, highlight the need to recognize that black lives do matter. Now, in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, USA Swimming released a statement to the organization's membership outlining their path forward to deal with diversity in swimming and acknowledging the race's history of swimming. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of this statement and and get Mm -hmm. your response. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind that the part of the statement that I'm reading is a smaller part of a letter that was revised after they received backlash for not even including the words Black Black Lives Matter in their original statement. So here we go. Quote, we stand firmly against social injustice and condemn racism and discrimination of any kind. We affirm our commitment to foster inclusion and to join those who work toward meaningful change. We'll continue to use our platforms to educate and to inform. We will support our black staff members, our black athletes, our black coaches, our black volunteers, our black family members. We will support the black community because black lives matter. They are important words. But it is our actions that count, close quote. Now, we need to keep in mind that USA Swing, for all of the that they're giving in this statement still only has less than, I believe, 2% of their membership is African-American. Ebony Roseman, yeah. your response to this?
2: Uh, you're right. Um, USA Swimming's membership of over 300,000 swimmers is around 1.3%, The last I checked. Um, the last U.S. Olympic swim team, which USA Swimming is responsible for, had three uh, swimmers who identified as African-American, Anthony Irving, Leah Neal, and Simone Manuel. Um, Those are facts. I think it's also important that you mentioned the statement that you read was the revised statement. I would encourage your listeners to seek out the initial statement that USA Swimming put out. Uh, My grandmother always told me that when people tell you who they are, you should believe them. And I I, I love literature, right? My kids will tell you I'm, I'm a student of James Baldwin and Richard Wright and Zora mm-hmm. Neale And there's this really famous interview where James Baldwin was on the Dick Cavett show and he's talking about racism in the U.S. And he says, I don't know what white people feel, but I can only conclude what they feel by the state of their institutions.
0: Hmm.
2: I don't personally know the inner workings of the hearts and minds of USA athletes, but I know what the sport of swimming in the United States looks like.
1: very, very true. Now... I want to shift to something that's really exciting that I've been trying to promote on my uh, Facebook group that I have, as well as on the podcast. There is an exciting event that's coming up for Black Kids Swim uh, this coming September in Africa, and I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes. Um, I I just want to take a minute. I'm sorry I got a little emotional, but, um, Actions, actions do matter, um, and the outcome of those actions matter. So as a, as a final comment on the USA Swimming statement, I would say that I am looking forward to seeing the results of the actions that USA Swimming takes. I'm looking forward to, to watching the numbers, to all of the, the facts that we discussed earlier. I'm looking to see how they change in the coming months and years. And I think that's going to be the the final determination. Um, yes. So on to on to our our mission, which is to motivate more black people to participate in competitive swimming. It's a life skill, it's an amazing sport. It's something that historically, you know, if you read the work of Dr. Kevin Dawson, Historically, we excelled in um, before and during the transatlantic slave trade. The Gory Project is about reclaiming our history. It's about showing the world that black people can and do swim and that we excel in it and that we are fearless in it. Every year for the past 32 years, Senegalese people have competed in a 3.5 mile open water race. They swim from the shores of Dakar to the island of Goree. And the route that they swim is so important because it's basically a reverse of the route that their ancestors swam, who escaped being trafficked in the slave trade by leaving what was a very large slave port on the island of Goree and swimming back to the mainland of the continent of Africa through shark infested waters. So people who could survive that swim could avoid being trafficked uh, to the Americas. And the waters are no longer shark Um, but they swim from Dakar to Goree in this race. And my husband and I were very privileged to be able to see it last year, and it changed our lives. If you can imagine hundreds of black people running into the ocean, some as young as 12 years old, to to just swim a 3.5-mile race like it's nothing. And that totally flies in the face of all of the myths and negative stereotypes that we're taught, not just in the U.S., but globally. So we thought, um, you know, we looked at the makeup of the race. It was like 98% Senegalese and maybe 2% French and expatriates. We wanted to bring an African-American presence. We wanted to swim with our cousins in this amazing race. So we have created a team, a Black Kids Swim team of two swimmers, and we're preparing them to participate in this race. We are documenting their training. We are not only helping them train physically for an open water race, but also giving them language classes. We're gonna learn um, a little bit of the Wolof language that they speak in Senegal, They're having history classes with Dr. Kevin Dawson to learn about the historical significance of this race and the legacy of swimming in the African diaspora. They're talking to black Olympians for motivation. They're talking to black triathletes to get advice on the open water swim. So this is this, this very motivational, inspiring journey that we're documenting so that we can have a web series And then those episodes will start rolling out in August. And we hope that, you know, people watch, people follow along with these two swimmers, you know, in this COVID-19 environment, try to prepare for something that they've never done before. And we're looking forward to getting them over to Senegal. While we're there, we will, of course, as Black Kids Swim, do some charitable work. Uh, We've partnered with several organizations to do some events and some donations of swim equipment as well.
1: You know, it's really exciting when I hear about this. I I just get so excited because, as you know, I'm a diehard open water swimmer um, and marathoner. And one of the things that I really love when I heard about the Goree swim from Dakar, Senegal to Goree Island, was just the absolute abundance of black swimmers who were competing. I mean, there were a few white swimmers mixed in, uh, most of them, you know, from – know from the former colony but it was such an interesting way to look at that actual race because here are all these people who look like me who are out there swimming usually it's the exact opposite you know I can pick out oh my goodness there's a person of color in there swimming and I run over to them and I want to talk to them but this is just like you know you're standing next to someone who looks just like you it must be a really affirming thing for the swimmers themselves to have that opportunity
2: Oh, yeah, this is um, triathlons are not, as you mentioned, are not very diverse, and, and swim meets are not very diverse. So the opportunity for two African American swimmers to compete in an event that is majority African American, or excuse me, members of the African diaspora, um, is going to be a bit um, different, and I hope extremely moving and powerful for them. I mean, outside of the two swim meets that I mentioned before, the National Black Heritage and the Black History meet, I don't think black kids get the opportunity to be in the majority when they're on deck, and I think that's important. Um, I think that's why HBCUs are still important. Everyone should have the opportunity in their lifetime to know what it feels like to be in the majority.
1: And we are going to have to leave it there, unfortunately, but we've been speaking to Ebony Roseman, the executive director and founder of the nonprofit organization, Black Kids Swim, the number one trusted resource in the African-American community for all things swimming. And we will have a link to this amazing website on our page. Ebony Roseman, we wish you and your family health and safety during this difficult period of COVID-19. And thank you so much for joining us on Crossing the Lane Lines.
2: Thank you so much, Najee. We so appreciate everything you do for the Black Swim community. Anything you need, you know, you can always call us.
1: Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Crossing the Lane Lines, which is produced by the Black Swim Collective at our studios in San Francisco, California. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you receive your podcast. From all of us here, we thank you so much for your support. And remember no lives matter until Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, this is Naji Ali for Crossing the Lane Lines, signing off.